So God is so good. We're glad you guys are here. We're excited. We believe the Lord's got a good word for everybody. Amen. You ready, William? We're going to have church. I want to minister to you today a short, simple message called the messy middle. The messy middle, okay? The messy middle. It's just like a good sloppy joke. Amen. <laughs> okay, you guys behave in that third row back. Matthew 13. Matthew 13 is our text. It says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while he slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. What was he doing? Sleeping. And what happened? His enemy came. Everybody say his enemy came. Sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. Now the enemy left. He didn't stay. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants, everybody say servants, of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, look at these words, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? He said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. So here's what we have. We have a story that starts off good and it ends good. It starts with a good man. A good field, good seed. And it ends with a lot of harvest and the barn is full. That's good. But it was out in the middle that we had a little bit of trouble. Amen. Amen. Out there in the middle. I want to start, first of all, today by thanking God for his preservation. Amen. God is good at protecting us, isn't he? I mean, God has protected me when I didn't even know he was protecting me. I look back and say, man, God was there. Help me in my own ignorance. I didn't even know he was there. And he was there the whole time working on my behalf. And I want to thank God for that. Amen. When I examine my life, I would not be here if it wasn't for the Lord. Can anybody else say amen to that? God brought us this far. And how many of you know he's not going to leave us there? He's got a plan for all of us. But every one of us, every one of us have a middle in our life. We all have a middle. Most people, now I've done probably a thousand or more weddings. I really have conducted that many weddings. I had a lot of military kids, and they didn't know how to not get married. <laughs> Nor how, we had 180 babies, infants in our nursery at one time. Wow. Yeah, they were rabbits. <laughs> it was tough. Most people start marriage, and when I see them at the altar, they're happy. They're smiling, they're happy, they're beautiful. The brides have gone to all kinds of effort to put a hair up that they will never have it again like that. And, and you know what I'm saying? Everybody's beautiful, everybody's there. And, 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 and then you look at them like, I look at some of these people here, you know. They've been together for like 50 years. And you know what happens? You start to look alike. You actually look alike. It's funny. Your little faces start to look the same. I don't know what it is, if you're eating the same or what it is. Amen. 
But if we sit down and talk to somebody that's been married a long, long time, we'll go back about 25 years of that 50, and we'll find out there was just a little bit of a mess out there in the middle. Teenagers. Anyway, we'll keep moving. <laughs> Families have beautiful little babies. They come up, they always want me to see their baby, and I, I look at them, they're adorable, they're just beautiful. And, 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 and then later, you know, I, I, those kids grow up, and they go away, and then they come back, and they bring these beautiful little grandbabies to you, and they're, they're heartwarming. But I remember the middle, before I sent them away to bring back the pretty little grandbabies. How many of you know what I'm talking about? This was a good man with good seed, and a good field, but while he slept, an enemy came. Everybody gets tired. Everybody lays down their guard every once in a while. Everybody rests every once in a while. You just, you're not made of steel, amen. You're not Captain Marvel. Well, nowadays it's Mrs. Marvel. Amen. You're not that. Nobody in here is that. Everybody in here gets tired at some point of their life, they rest just a little bit. They relax just a little bit. And if you don't rest a little bit, at least you get tired of other people. You do. And you just want to be alone a little bit. Is that right? Am I telling the truth? We're not made by God to handle everything all the time. So there was a moment of weariness in this man's life or just a moment of relaxation, whatever it was, but an enemy came. And that enemy began to sow tares among the wheat. Later, his, his servants, his workers, notice it. And they say, well, where did these tares come from? We was there. We watched you sow good seed. Where did these tares come from? Let me ask you this question as we get started today. Have you ever had anything growing in your life that you didn't sow? Huh? Okay, somehow we think that everything that's happening to us is happening to us of our own doing but sometimes my friend it's not your wife it's not your husband it's not your kids there's an enemy that can come in there's an enemy that can come into your life from outside of your world somebody you did not know or a spirit you did not see coming and that spirit that enemy will come and sow things into your life that you never expected would ever show up in your life and there they are, and they'll come to you, and that, that spirit will come. And then, and then people are looking at you and wondering, what have you done? Why did you do that? What, 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 did you, what did you do to bring this upon yourself? I call those people religious people. They come to you with a Bible to quote to you that there's a curse in your life and a rock to stone you. Amen. This man said, I did not do this. This man said, an enemy has done this. And so I've come today to tell you there are things that happen in your life that an enemy did. That an enemy did. It could be a generational curse. It could be an inherited curse. It could just be a circumstantial curse. It could be that you moved into a property where there was a curse in the ground. I don't know where it came from. All I know is it was not your doing. The Bible says there's a times in your life that it has nothing to do with you. It's something that happened outside of you, but it's affecting your field, affecting your blessing. So the enemy then tries to convince you that it's all your problems. And he actually uses those closest to you, such as servants. 
And these people will come and they'll begin to tell you, what have you done? How did this happen? This, 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 this thing has befallen you, something you've done wrong. You must have said something wrong. You must have done something wrong. You, you know, and, and so it begins to happen. The Bible says that the wheat and the tare grew up together. Is that what it said? Have you ever had your problem and your promise growing in the same field at the same time? Think that through for a minute. Have you ever had an Isaac and an Ishmael grow up together in the same home? Huh? Sometimes there's a problem working in your life against you. At the same time, there's a promise working in your life for you. They work simultaneously. Things that are growing that you did not know was there. Things that you, you are working on to get them to grow. And suddenly people will come into your world and then they will offer to help you fix your life. Oh, I got quiet right there. For those of you online, they went silent on me right there. Because they want to help you fix the problems of your life, they'll offer to help you tear up the tears that are in your field. Amen. But the guy says to them, no, you will not uproot the tears, because if you uproot the tears, you'll uproot the good stuff too. Listen to this carefully. Not everyone has the right to walk into your field and start uprooting stuff. Let me say it again. Not everybody has the right to walk into your field and start uprooting stuff. Every time, it's usually an elder brother that wants to help rather than a father. Let's keep moving. I want you to notice in our text that it was harvesters doing all the talking. Not the reapers. Not the reapers. So it was people who were not skilled in that area. They were servants, not reapers. Servants can always spot what's wrong with you, but they don't have the skill to pull it out without ruining your life. Okay? Amen. So let me break it down to where you might can understand it better. It's like you're a married guy, you're having trouble with your wife, and you're talking to a guy that's never been married and he's counseling you. <laughs> Amen. He's a good guy. He's a servant. He's not skilled. He's never had to wake up and deal with the witch of Ondor. You know what I'm talking about? Now, ladies, don't get mad because he's the warlock. Oh, never mind. It is possible to share your life with people that are not skilled enough to help you to get where you're going. Amen. You could sit across the table, share your heart with somebody, and really expect to find wisdom. They'll give you wisdom, but that wisdom will tear your field up. Because they're not skilled or called or assigned or appointed to be doing what they're doing. They might have a good heart. That's why when I go to other churches and I'm, I'm, I'm there, I never counsel the people of that church because that's not my assignment. And I'll tear up their field well-meaning, I'll hurt them. Amen. So I'm very careful at how I handle that. The Bible says, let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, not the servants, I'll speak to those who are qualified, those who are skilled to go out into that field and to bind, to, to gather together the tares and bind them, get rid of them, and fill my barn with the good stuff. Amen. Amen? 
And so I believe God is about ready to shock everybody in this region that the wheat is going to fill God's barn. Amen. Amen. Somebody say amen. I believe the Lord is getting ready to not only fill this church, but a lot of churches. I feel like God's getting ready to do something magnificent in this region. I really do. And I believe it's going to spread even down there to Sedona. Bless God. We'll fill the vortex with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I believe it. I believe God wants to birth supernatural people and a supernatural church. And I believe God wants us to see people get saved, delivered, healed, and everything in our churches again. Amen. Not something we talk about, not something we preach about, but someday I believe we're going to watch miracles happen right here in this house or wherever we happen to be, miracles are going to happen. Amen. I believe that. I believe we're going to see people get free. I mean instantaneously free from alcohol. I know that they say that once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. That's a lie of the devil. Do not believe that report. That's not the report of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God can set you free, and he who's free is free indeed, the Bible says. I be- you guys don't believe that part. I'll be back on alcohol. I believe God's going to set people free of addictions. I believe God's going to help us of bondages of all kinds. I think that we're going to see things that eye has not seen and ear has not heard. I've heard a lot of stuff and seen a lot of stuff, but God wants to do something more than that. Can somebody say amen? I'm really, I really am. I'm telling you, I'm tired of watching the enemy steal God's harvest. I'm tired of watching the devil come into people's lives and bully them. I'm tired of watching worn out saints and the devil causing divisions and distractions and disunity in churches. I'm sick and tired of that. I believe God wants a house filled with unity. Amen. I believe that we, uh, I, I really believe this. I believe we have an uncommon anointing. I believe that. I believe we have an undeniable authority. And I believe the harvest is rightfully ours. And I believe we have to stand up and declare that right in the face of the devil. Amen. I don't, let let me just sidetrack and go political on you for a moment. This is not a thing about Trump. This is a thing about the church. God's checking his church, not Trump. Trump comes and goes. The church stays for a while until Jesus comes. And if the church had been doing its job right, we wouldn't be in this mess. Amen. The church is the one that's, that we need to realize we have an uncommon authority. We need to realize when we pray, we're not begging, we're not worrying, we're declaring, and we're establishing a dominion. Amen. God pressed into my spirit a while back about prayer, and when in prayer, I saw in my spirit a gavel, you know, like the thing that judge hits the table with, and a microphone. That's what I saw. The gavel, as I started to study that out a little bit, represents governmental authority. Perhaps for me, but I feel like it's bigger than me. I believe it's all of us. Amen. I believe God wants us to carry a governmental authority. I believe God is looking for churches that can have enough authority that he can give them the region. Amen. I'm not talking about a patty cake church. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost, spirit-filled, authority-driven church. Amen. The microphone always represents a dream language, a voice, an authority, an influence, a ministry. And so let me, let me talk about that a little bit more later. But, but I saw this gavel and I saw this microphone. And I began to realize we're not called to be a church that prays. We are a praying church. We need to be a contending church. Ooh, I'm going to preach now. I've got to get a drink. 
when we come to prayer, we're not supposed to worry out loud to God. We're supposed to come to prayer and throw the gavel down. We're overturning things that the devil has tried to say. We're overturning the verdicts that the devil has passed down through generations in our family that we've accepted, accepted because, because my mother was this, I'm this, because my dad was this, I'm this. Somewhere you got to establish a new authority, a governmental authority that says verdicts, I overturn that verdict right there. I believe God wants to establish five-fold ministries. I believe God wants to build and equip and raise up right here in this house a powerful people. But we have to be a people that we will accept the challenge of prevailing principalities that are trying to block and prevent what God would do and block and prevent His presence from being in this house. We have to come together and not just sing a song. We have to worship. We have to come together. We have to press in. We have to, I don't care what anybody else is doing in the house. I have to press in with a gavel it's at overturning the spirit of this house to see somebody set free amen let me expound this just a little bit can, we, can will you let me do this there are real spirits on this mountain how many of you know that there's real things i believe that one of the most powerful spirits that you might not have put your finger on yet is the spirit of dagon Dagon is a false god of the Philistines, a chief god. He was half man and half fish. Okay, this is the way they, they made him. Dagon, if you study it out, was the father of Baal. Baal today is pretty much your media. Okay, I'm not going to dig too deep. Baal was the father of Jezebel. Baal was the god of idolatry, confusion, and immorality. Okay, we're talking about Flagstaff. Dagon was known as the storm god, often paired with Astaroth, which was the moon goddess. She was called the queen of heaven in your Bible, and Baal was called the lord of heaven. Dagon was Baal's father. He's a Pathion god, meaning that he is a, a major deity that had many other deities come out from within him. That's that, if you study out all that stuff. The Ninevites worshipped the fish god, man god, Dagon. Remember that? Remember that? Some of you? Okay. Here comes a guy by the name of Jonah. Remember Jonah? Jonah is having a little problem with God. He's in the atmosphere of Baal. He's in a place where he's afraid to talk. Doesn't want to say what God wants to say. He's the prophet of the region, but he's being squashed down by a spirit called ba uh, Dagon. Is pushing on him. So what does God do? God creates a great big fish. Now, I used to always think it was a whale until I looked on the map. All you got to do is look in your Bible map, and you'll find that Nineveh is nowhere close to an ocean. In fact, it's out in the middle of the desert. And the only thing that's close to Nineveh is a river, a little river. So that fish, if it was a whale, somehow was swimming in fresh water. I don't know where that fish came from. I don't know if it was a supersized carp. I don't know what it was. But God made that fish big enough to swallow a man whole. And Jonah got ate by that fish. Remember the story? The Bible says he went down to the belly of hell for three days. You can't live in a fish for three days. Amen. I believe he died. I, so, you believe whatever you want. But all I know is one day that fish got a bellyache. And God calls that fish to come up 
and come and beach himself. He had to beach himself and vomit out old Jonah. Jonah comes out and comes alive when he comes out. He comes walking out there. Now he's ready to talk whatever God wants to say. But the Ninevites, who were Dagon worshipers, saw the whole thing. And they looked, and for the first time ever, they saw a man walk out of a fish. And they saw that their God was overcome by this man. That this man was not dead, but alive. And this, I believe, one of the reasons they were serving them as a God fish, maybe they saw that big fish, I don't know. But all I can tell you is that when he come out of that fish, those people began to immediately hear, have, hear what he had to say because now he's a God to them. He's now a God to them. He overcome Dagon. He lived through Dagon for three days. And there he is alive and talking. And it created a great awakening amongst those people. And I'm trying to tell you this. God's intention is to bring a great awakening to this house, this city, and this region. And somewhere, God's going to cause us whatever it takes on God's part to get a hold of you. We talked about it Wednesday night. It might be a rock of offense that he smacks your little head with. Amen. I don't know what it's going to take, but somewhere God wants you to begin to walk in a governmental authority because he needs people that understand how to wield a gavel and how to turn verdicts around and how to go to the courtroom of heaven and, and amen. And somebody say amen. Talk to me today. Dagon's an ancient spirit and it enters in many ways. And I believe that same type of spirit is seducing and deceiving and blinding people right here in this region. There's all kinds of idolatry hooked with it. There's, there's all kinds of paintings and drawings and little dolls that people make. The, all of them are idolatrous, okay? And, and, the, and the more you're devoted to this, the more you're connected into this spirit. Dagon's desire is to cut off the church's anointing. So what happens in our pulpits today is, and you know it to be true all over Flagstaff, and I'm praying, and you need to pray with me, it does not become true here with me, that our voice begins to be only a logos word and never a rhema word in other words people preach the bible there's no life in it you can know the bible and not know god i know a whole lot of people that are mean man they beat people in the name of the lord using the bible amen amen so i'm talking about this spirit is a bullying spirit it tries to intimidate. It tries to control. It tries to manipulate. It operates from a self-imposed authority. Somehow you feel that there's an authority that's not really there. And, and, and it steals the worship. And churches are, are, are just singing. At the best, they're singing. They're not contending for God's presence. Amen. They're not contending. See, see, this church is not supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be a people that it doesn't matter if they're singing what they're singing. We're contending for the presence of God. We're pressing into it. We're turning this thing around. Dagon's going to attack the truth. He always attacks the truth. He wants to steal the power, the authority, the strength, the dreams of a house. He wants to take those things from us. It's a spirit that works in a region. So then we come to church and we, we go through all the motions but our children don't come to church no more we lose our babies we lose our teenagers nobody wants to be because there's no life in the church no more 
Our songs are just songs. There's nothing in them. They're just kind of flat. They're just kind of blah. And I'm not, be, I'm not trying to be ugly to nobody. Our preaching's that way. Our teaching's that way. Everything about it's that way. Pastors are tired. They're frustrated. They're wore out. They're unhappy. Their dreams are smashed. And the enemy is raising up a voice now all over our nation. And the enemy's got the microphone right now. And the enemy's telling us that we have to go this way. We have to tolerate this, tolerate that. Political correctness here. Political, political correctness was designed to shut the church up. That's all it was. So somewhere, we got to take the gavel. We got to slam it down and say no more and grab the mic back. We have to be willing. Listen to me carefully. You have to be willing to walk in an uncommon anointing. No, no, you got to hear what I'm saying. When you have an uncommon anointing, you become a target. You got to be willing. You got to be willing to walk in as a target. Knowing that you're going to get attacked by lust. Knowing you're going to get attacked by ideas of of addiction, alcoholism. Amen. These thoughts are going to attack you. They're going to attack you because you carry an uncommon anointing. But you have to understand, mine's an undeniable authority. You're not going to stop me. I have an authority. And I decree that my family will be saved. And I decree my city will, will belong to Jesus Christ. That get too big for you? God can save this whole city. He saved Nineveh, and it was millions of people. Amen. Amen. With eight words, he preached eight words, and the whole city got saved. You listening to what I'm saying? It's an uncommon anointing. It's not about how good we preach, how good we sing, how perfect our lights are, how perfect your preacher is. Uh, The church... Is made up of people, the church, not talking about this church, the church. The church of Jesus Christ is made up of people who will contend to silence the voice of the principalities that are squelching the church. Amen. They're going to come against us more and more as time goes on. You hear what I'm telling you. If we don't accept certain styles and behaviors of morality, if we don't accept certain things, they're going to try to shut our doors. They're going to come against us. But I want to tell you that God has a plan. Let me help you with that. Are you with me today? God has a plan. We are coming into a Holy Ghost confluence. Confluence. Confluence is where two rivers join together. It's where the, 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 you have a powerful river here, a powerful river here. There's white water when they hit, and then they begin to move in a deep force. Very hard to stop them. It's an act of merging. It's a meeting place. It's a joining, and it has a flow in it. That's what a convergence is. That's, that's what God wants to do. It's where, let me try to explain it to you. It's where marriage is not one person doing all the influence. That's not a real marriage. That's a trouble problem. That, that's, where, that's, that's counseling for the preacher. It's where two people come together with their ideas, their hearts, and the two come and merge, and as a result, they're stronger because of it. That's a marriage. Amen? Amen? So without confluence, what happens if we just try to flow in our own, there's a pre-existing culture out there, a Dagon, a Baal, a Jezebel. You guys have heard the Jezebel spirit preached a million times because it's prevalent. It's there. That, that thing's going to try to weigh in. But if we as a people come together in our spirits, in our hearts, with a confluence, we can take 
two ideas that are good and turn them into a great idea. Amen. We can take where we, we can't sharpen ourselves by ourselves, but if you put me and William together, sparks can start to fly and we can sharpen one another. Right? I can't sharpen by myself. You hear what I'm saying? I, I, I can't, there's nothing to sharpen against, but if I get William's head up here, boy, we'll get sharp. You hear what I'm saying? It, it starts to work. And so, so we are stabilized. When we come together, we're stabilized. We become deep. We become powerful. And that's what God's doing right now. You hear me? There's going to be so much pressure, there's nowhere to go. Either you're going to join the other side or you're going to join this side. And when you jo- Amen. And when you do, when you come together, God says, it's in that place. I'll put a deep river, a deep flow, a great power. I'll begin to move things that were unmovable before because I'm an unstoppable God. Amen. I'll begin to flow in another way and we'll create something. Listen, God will give us creative ideas how to touch our city. God will give us creative people to touch our city. It cannot be a dictatorship where the pastor's running the whole scene and micromanaging everybody. It must be a confluence where I know what you're thinking, how you're feeling, what you're seeing, but you also know how I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, and what I'm seeing. And together, together we can work up something where God can find his glory in that. Amen. And God can begin to move in the place. Somebody shout amen. We're we're stronger when we flow together. Amen. We're a movement by ourselves, but we're a force when we come together. Amen. We're a movement by ourselves, a bowel movement. And, and we're a force when we come together. Just trying to keep you on track, make sure you're with me. Let, me. let me put it this way. How would church be today if I came in here all by myself, looking as good as I look, and preaching this message to a bunch of empty chairs? How would that go? How would that, how would that work? See, there's, nothing, there's no power in it by myself. But when you come, and you listen, and you amen, and we work together, something begins to happen. Right? There's an anointing that begins to flow. Something begin, A gavel begins to fall. You hear what I'm saying? All of a sudden, there's an authority that comes in the house. Now we merge with God. Now we come together. Now, at that point, we can actually become a demon-shaking, hell-trembling flow and a force that can touch this region. Amen. Huh. Elijah and Elisha were aimed for a spiritual confluence. They were two separate identities, two separate men. Okay, two, two totally different people. But God had a plan, and God's plan was to merge them together. We know the story. We know how it ends up. How many of you remember the story? It starts where he throws his mantle on the guy, and the next thing you know, the guy's following him around, but it ends with a chariot of fire. Catching Elijah up into the heaven. How many remember that story? He throws his mantle down, and Elisha catches it. And when he does, he catches the, the spirit of. So now you have a merging of two men's spirits. And the moment that merging happened, it moved from a one-portion anointing to a double-portion anointing. And at that moment, that man began to move from 16 miracles to 32 miracles in his, in his ministry. God began to flow in a whole other way. And even to this day, generations later, we still talk about these men. Are you guys with me today? The devil don't like this sermon, but I'm going to keep preaching it. In order for us to merge into a single flow, we have to recognize one thing that we don't want to recognize. 
The only way we can do what I'm talking about today is we got to end the former flow. You can't have a new flow with the old flow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. You can't be married and single at the same time. It doesn't work. Is that right? Any married person, everybody married, say amen. It doesn't work, okay? And so, so that's what God tunes us to do. It's nothing bad with the former flow, nothing evil with the former flow. Right now we're creating a flow. In a year from now we'll create another flow. And the flow we create today we've got to get rid of so we can have the next flow. God always has a plan. It's always a stronger confluence. It's always a deeper vein. It's always something where God brings two things into one channel. And, and the power of that flow is greater than the flow that was before. The rhythm of that flow is greater than the rhythm before. Amen? Amen? And so this is what I'm talking about. When you're in the middle of that, it can get messy. Things can get a little weird. And the devil will come in and try to sow tares in the middle of our confluence. The devil will come in and try to put Baal and Jezebel and, and all these weird things. And people don't like the pastor. And, and, and they don't like the pastor's wife. And especially the pastor's in-laws and outlaws and friends and... Are you hearing what I'm saying? All kinds of weird things happen. They don't like that we drive a Toyota because they're Chevy people or whatever. I know. Amen. Are you guys with me today, really? We're in a process right now of a change. We're in a process where God wants to merge some new things together. God wants to bring us a double portion anointing. And the reason for that is so that our microphone, our voice will be stronger. So that we can have a voice that will actually resonate into the region. That it will actually touch people. That people walking around, yes we need to be witnessing, but people that we haven't even talked to, God will resonate in their spirit. Something will happen in their hearts. They'll wake up on a Sunday morning and say, man I ought to go to church. Something will draw them. Something will move them that's never moved them before. They'll come out of a drunk. They'll come out of a stupor, and they'll, they'll come together. So I'm talking about something where, where the reapers will go into the field, where God says, but when you get into unity, I'll send my reapers to gather the wheat. And I believe that's what God's getting ready to do. I believe God's getting ready to fill the barn with his wheat. Amen. I believe God's getting ready to do some powerful things, and he's going to grace us with an undeniable authority. Mm. I need to take some of you with me to some other nations where you could experience undeniable authority. Okay, where that devil walks up and he immediately knows you're there. Amen. There's something that happens that you can change an atmosphere and you walk into a place and you demand before you walk into that place, this is how it will be. This is how it will be. I've done it many times. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. No devil can stand the blood, withstand the blood bought. Amen. And so, so I've walked into atmospheres and said, before I walk into this business atmosphere, I'm not a businessman. I've never been trained in all of this, but I change the atmosphere in Jesus' name. I create an atmosphere that's conducive to the plan of God, that's conducive to the confluence of God, that's conducive to the purpose of God. And even though I may speak the wrong thing, God will cause my words to have power and authority and an undeniable anointing. Amen. And I'll step into this thing and change the dynamic of the field that I'm stepping into. It will be for God's purpose and not my purpose. And I change it before I ever walk in. I can change a business deal before I walk in. 
No, I've done it a bunch of times. I just, my wife will tell you, a few months ago, I met with the top 12 people of the Assembly of God. They were there to talk about some other things. But within a few moments, they had me for the next couple of hours talking about church planting, begging me to come move to Springfield and help them plant churches. Not because I'm great, but because I took authority before I walked in. Amen. I'm trying to teach you something, church. There's an authority. There's a place that God has for us. If we will join together, if we will merge together, there's a plan that God has for this region that has never, ever, I'm not trying to be ugly to anybody, it's never, ever happened yet. I pray it happens on my watch. But if it doesn't happen on my watch, I'm going to make sure it happens on my son's watch. Those I hand this thing off to. You understand what I'm saying? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. There is what I need. It's going to happen. We're going to change the city. You're going to watch things shift in the council members. You're going to watch things shift at the mayor's office. You're going to watch things shift in the hospitals. You're going to watch things shift in the police departments. You're going to watch things shift. I don't know how they're going to shift, but they're going to work for God before it's done. Amen. God's got a plan. God's going to seize a region. God's going to move in a region so that from there, his name can be made mighty. His name can be made famous. We can begin to go into other places. They'll hear in Cottonwood what's happening. They'll hear in Sedona what's happening. They'll hear out there in Cameron what's happening. They'll hear. They'll hear what's going on. They'll drive miles to be here. Amen. Because they'll hear what God's doing. There's a unity. There's a force. There's a power. And it's going to get a little bit messy before we get done. An enemy will come, but I want to tell you how the end is going to be. The barns will be filled. Amen. We're starting off with a pretty good field. I'm looking at you. You guys all look like wheat heads to me. You're all perfect. Amen. Amen. We got a good field here. We got a good place. We got a good, we got a good place. Amen. God's ready to do something. Now we're going to start sowing. And the devil's going to put some stuff in there too. It don't matter. We do, let it all grow up. When God gets ready, when the confluence gets strong enough, they'll weed themselves out. Amen. It won't, it won't matter. And the Spirit of the Lord will move and God will cause people to come here. Amen. God will give you the right people. God will move. I was in West Virginia. The next thing you know, you know, you're able to talk to the governor. You're able to talk to this person. God begins to elevate, begins to open doors and give, give places. Gives you a microphone. Gives you influence in a region. But you don't get that without the gavel. And the gavel happens in prayer where we say, no, I'm turning this thing around in Jesus' name. The gavel happens in our worship where we contend for God. Am I making sense to anybody? That's where it happens. So I want to pray today with us. Is that all right? Can we take a few minutes to pray? Those online, don't tune out right now. Pray with us. Okay? I want to pray some prayers together. First, I want to pray that by the time 2021 is done, we will see people saved that we never thought would ever get saved. Your kids, your family, your friends. Amen. I believe God can save 150,000 Navajos in 2021. Maybe some Hopis. Just teasing. Just teasing. You hear what I'm saying? I believe God can save white folks, black folks, Hispanic folks, Chinese folks, pink and purple polka dotted folks. Amen. And this year, I'm believing God to save every one of my, my, my children and, and, and grandchildren and, and family members. And, and, and I, I'm believing God to save those that I know that are around me. Amen. 
I'm believing God right now. I told you Wednesday night, I got a dear friend, known him for 40 years, had a cancer in his kidney, and now it's spread to his lungs. He pastors a church of a thousand people. They've planted churches everywhere. And, 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 and I'm, I'm throwing the gavel down. Let's believe God to change that. Amen. So I don't know if I'm going to be here the next week or two. I'll, fi- I'll let you know, but I might have to get in an airplane to go down there. That's my friend. You don't leave friends to die alone. You go, you fight. You believe God together. You contend. If that was me, I'd ask him to come to me. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's the way we are. We stick together. We believe together. Are you listening to me? That's why we're still praying for Tim, and we won't quit praying for Tim. That's why we do what we do. We fight together. We might not be perfect. There might be some weeds in the mix. Amen. We'll smoke them. Little pun, little pun. I'm believing God that for week after week, people get saved. Amen. Amen. You guys, man, we got to get you set free. You guys caught on to that way too easy. (laughs) Can we stand together? We're going to pray over a few different things and we'll go. We're not begging. We're not begging. We're declaring. We're contending, okay? So as I begin to pray, just for a few seconds, I want you to think about those that you don't think will ever get saved in your family for whatever reason, that you haven't seen for two years, five years, ten years. You don't even know where they're at. I want you to contend for them right now and believe God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into the courtrooms of heaven And we command and we release a verdict of heaven that every soul that's being lifted up right now in the hearts and the minds and the mouths of this congregation and of this people, that in 2021, there will be a move of the Holy Ghost that will seize their heart and draw them to Christ and their knee will bow and they'll serve Jesus Christ from that day on in their lives, that they will become converts, converts of the Christian faith, and they'll walk in Christ in Jesus' name. And every Everybody said, Amen. Do you believe that? Well, then give the Lord a praise for it. You always give God a praise. Always give God a praise. Now, I want to pray just for a moment for those that have things growing in their lives that they didn't sow. An enemy did it. Somewhere an enemy got in, and you all of a sudden you looked over, and something sprung up in your life that you never saw coming. You didn't see that bankruptcy coming. You didn't see that sickness or that illness coming. It caught you off guard. It's a tough time. You're going through a setback. You didn't expect that to happen. It was something out of the ordinary. And and the enemy came in and he sowed a horrible thought and spirit into your life. I'm going to ask God to let the reapers deal with that. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit reapers, the angels of heaven, Father in Jesus' name, I release the angels of heaven, the ministering spirits of heaven to go in to each person's life and remove carefully those things that are damaging and wounding their spirits that they will be freed and healed pour in the oil and the wine into those broken areas those wounded places and release them father from the things that are tearing up their field and fill their barns with the good things you have for their lives in Jesus mighty name and everybody said everybody said now give the Lord a big praise
I break the assignment of things that are strongly resisting you. I break the assignment of hell that's come against you and is battling in your mind and lying to you every day. You are not that person. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. And you are God's beloved. And God will set you free. And God will deliver you of every and anything the enemy has sown. In Jesus' mighty name. Now I want to pray for men. Doesn't mean women can't pray. In fact, you need to pray harder. I believe... There's an outstanding harvest of men getting ready to come into this church. I believe they're going to move here from other regions. I believe, and I'm not talking about just male. I'm talking about spiritual men. God is going to create real men, uh, spiritual models that will stand up and serve Christ in the hardest of times. Amen. These men will pursue, they will overtake, and they will regain everything the enemy's taken. Let me say it again. They're going to pursue it. They'll overtake it. They'll regain it. Everything the devil's taken. Will you join with me in that prayer? Come on. Will you join with me in that prayer? Father, we come to you now, and we release the men to come. We release them from the north, the south, the east, and the west, that they will come into this house. Their spirits will be enlightened and engaged, and they will come into a confluence, and they will rise up within themselves and have a spirit to overtake, to pursue, to overtake, and to regain everything that was taken, reestablishing your kingdom for all the promises, all the words ever prophesied in these churches. Lord, let every word come back, none to be void, every word alone. Live and let your men rise to bring the charge in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Are you with me still? Can you hang? We've only been praying five minutes. One more now. We've got to pray for the women. Now, women have a whole different kind of assignment that comes against their life. Amen. I want to pray for women to be delivered from drama and trauma. Amen. 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 I'm not attacking. It's the way God made us. Women fall to their emotions. Okay? I want God to give you strength and wisdom to navigate your emotions and have control of your emotions. Not be led by your emotions, but led by your spirit. Amen. Because your emotions will get you in trouble every time. Every time. Father, I pray for the beautiful women of this house the daughters of this house, that your spirit will come and lift within them a well of great wisdom and understanding, Lord, that they will be a women of valor, women that have an understanding of, and a knowledge of who you are, that they, when they come into those moments of emotional drama, when they come into those places where trauma is seizing them and it seems overwhelming, that they'll be able to shake it off. Say, that's not my God. That's not the way my God operates. I will not accept that spirit, but I will rise in the spirit of the Lord. I will be a Proverbs 31 woman in Jesus' name. I will stand before the Lord in glory. I will lead my house with the wisdom of my God. I will tend to my children and my husband and my church and my people the way God intends me to do it. I will not do it pressed by emotions or pressed by society or pressed by the news channel or pressed by the trauma of my life. I will command and direct my life according to the word and the will of God in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give him a praise again.
Can you handle two more? Two more? I want to pray for me. (laughs) Spiritual leaders, spiritual elders, that we will have the wisdom to have influence over this generation. I have to admit it's getting tougher. It really is. As I get older, it seems like you guys get younger. (laughs) You know, everything's there. And what's happening to this generation, listen to me carefully. They're getting robbed. They're getting robbed of their elders. The information this generation is receiving is not from their elders, but it's from their peers. That's dangerous. Because they're not listening to elders anymore. They don't trust them. They're not listening to me. They're listening to their friends. And their friends have no experience whatsoever. Their friends don't know the word of God very far. They've never experienced it. They're not depth. They have no depth. When Mary became pregnant with Jesus, none of her peers knew what to do. So she went to find Elizabeth, her elder, who was already six months ahead of her in pregnancy. She said, I've got to have wisdom. Father, I pray today that you will give me and every elder and every leader in this house the wisdom to deal with the young ones. And that you will put in the heart of, of the of the Isaacs and the Jacobs to come to the Abrahams, to come to the Sarahs, and to hear the wisdom of heaven and the wisdom of life. Let life flow into them, God. Let them be able to trust and to know that we have no ulterior motive. We want to see them healthy and blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 I want to pray one more thing. I want to pray for this church. I know there's a lot of churches in town. I'm not, whatever. I want to pray for this church. That God will move in this house with holy surprises. Holy surprises from heaven. I declare Holy Ghost surprises are going to come. Surprises in your relationships, surprises in your finances, surprises in the church, surprises everywhere you go that you're just going to wake up and go, whoa, man, I didn't see that one coming. But it'll be good. It'll be good. Father, we release Holy Ghost surprises into every person's life in this room. I pray, Lord, before Christmas time that they'll have a surprise that'll blow Christmas away in Jesus' name. I pray that you'll touch their lives, touch their homes, touch their children, touch everything they touch, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost touch me upon them. Put a smile on their face they can't take away. Let a surprise come that seizes their spirit in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Now give him one more real praise. Oh, everybody, praise the Lord. Come on. Musicians, come on. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Give him a real praise. Come on. Come on. Ten seconds. Give him a praise for ten seconds. Come on. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Now remember this as we get ready to go. As we get ready to go. It's only messy in the middle. It's only messy in the middle. You're the field, but there's a barn that's getting ready to get filled. And God's got some great plans for all of us. Amen. Amen. There might be all kinds of spirits of Baal and Jezebel. All of them pale into insignificance in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
When the Holy Spirit comes, he's unstoppable. There's nothing that they can do. They have to bow. In fact, every one of them have already bowed to him. Dagon fell on his face and broke in front of the presence of God. Read it in your Bible. It's all there. Amen. He'll break again in Jesus' name. He'll break again. Right here in this mountain, he'll break again. Amen. We're going to see some of the people you never thought would get saved come in. Amen. People you thought those people are beyond. They're gone. They're antichrist. Yeah. You watch what God does to those antichrists. He'll give them a holy surprise they'll never forget. Amen. Amen.